Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Good Vibes to Jason B, a Broad Minds and More podcast. And today is, when is it? April 2nd, 2020. Uh, currently, many of us are going through the conditions and uh, parameters of uh, the COVID-19 condition. Um, that means that a lot of us are in an order of stay in place. And a lot of us are not feeling great and not feeling um we want some sense of normalcy and go back to what the way that we were living. But I understand that every when things like this happen, they're for a greater reason. Sometimes they're inspired or pushed by other people and organizations. And there's lots of theories of why this exists, why it doesn't. Is it real? Is it not real? But I want to talk just about my perspective. I was uh, watching a post on uh, Facebook not too long ago and this doctor uh hold on excuse me his name his name is dr rashid i butler and i follow him or i just started following him and he talked about the covid19 conspiracy facts versus fiction and a lot of us want hope right now we want to know that can we go back to way we're living and here are the facts this is the facts about the world right now. Right now, emissions and pollution has been reduced by a great considerable amount. I don't know the exact numbers, but I've seen the news and the reports of the air condition. Um, I've noticed that the conditions that I live in were what stocked in California. The weather has drastically changed. The skies have turned blue. These are facts. These are something that, you know, in my observation, it's not an opinion. It's just what I see and what I feel. Um, I feel that the air is fresh and more clean. Um, the tension level is still very high emotionally. Um, that is a, a, an observation. Um, people are still shopping intensely. Uh, people are wearing protective gear, masks, gloves. These are things that are going on. Um, I see constant news reports every single day, 20 times a day, or just all day going on. And it just doesn't make me feel good. And that that is a fact. It doesn't make me feel good because I'm not working and doing and, and serving in my normal capacity or role. But when things like this happen, I was complaining months before that I needed some rest. I needed some time off. I needed a place to be and not have to be stressed. My relationship was taking a toll. Um, how I was treating my kids um, wasn't probably the greatest. And, you know, my daughter last night just got home from the Philippines. Finally, you know, she was only supposed to be gone like two weeks and it's been more than well, probably almost a month. Her mom went through a lot of troubles to try to get her, my daughter and her husband home. These were stressors. Um, the tension level between me and my family wasn't the greatest. Me and my girlfriend were fighting and just didn't feel good. And it showed our weaknesses. It really showed our weakness. And I just took a moment to really look at everything and what was going on. So as, as I was watching this video of doc, Dr. Uh, Buttar, B-U-T-T-A-R, his name is Dr. Rashid A. Buttar, um, he was mentioning facts. Now, um, I've always been a rules and 
organization kind of a person. Um, I've always been a fact checker, um, a fan of history, a fan of English, um, logic, philosophy, you name it and you call it. Um, it didn't happen by accident. I was, I was programmed this way. Um, I went through difficult times coming up, um, just like anyone, you know, my parents weren't together and, but feeling like I, I could, you know, empathize and symbolize with rules and regulation to stay on the straight and narrow and not deviate it just made me feel like I had some kind of security, but it was a false security. I left behind my creativity. I left behind um, instinctual thinking. Um, instead, it would be deductive thinking and just so on and so forth. So, you know, when COVID-19 first came about and I first started hearing about it in January, I was, I was worried. You know, you're hearing about how China was taking drastic measures. And, um, you know, when I first started hearing about it, like the numbers were growing and how this came about. Now, there's a little bit of conspiracy theory. Yeah, that, 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 that's no doubt. But who has to gain and what are the times that we live in? Here in the United States, it happens to be an election year. The, the climate, the political climate has been high and intense. And it's just a repeat to me, like 2016 was, um, before Donald Trump got elected, you know, the, the climate was me ver or us versus them and Democrat versus Republican. And only this year, 2020, I decided to abstain from joining any political party. But constantly I see on Facebook and social media, different aspects. And so it, it just added more into the I would call the melting pot of hurt. And I, and I say that for a good reason. Um, a lot of people are in pain. You know, a lot, a lot of people are, um, I'm hearing from other people that this is the first time they've had in a long time to really spend time with their spouse, like for a long period of time, or, um, even with their children, you know, people work in professions and work in careers and jobs and trying to make ends meet, you know, and there's, there's, an unbalance right now. Um, people are e either facing eviction because they can't pay all of their rent. They're not working. That's just a fact that we can't ignore that. We know that lenders are being pressured as well. You know, um, where are they getting their money? Who's, you know, and then you hear the politics of the day. Oh, we're going to get a, a stimulus. Um, you can file for unemployment and it doesn't help. And it's not so much about the virus itself. That's the, that's the interesting thing. And so what I do notice um, in society right now, I notice the news reports, the severity of people in the hospital, but the infection rate is quite different. And there's questions I, I do have to ask, like, why don't we have more tests readily available? Why is it, you know, for example, my daughter had to get tested in the Philippines because she had an ear infection. That's why she couldn't come back sooner. So, you know, her and her mom and her stepdad were stuck in the Philippines for two extra weeks, constant cancellations of flights and frustrations and traveling island to island just to get home. I mean, could you really imagine what that's like? And think about the rest of the Americans stuck abroad and overseas, what they're facing, some sleeping in airports, waiting, you know, wanting to eat, limited resources. You know, the government they feel is not doing enough. Even I had a stint with dealing with the government, the State Department, um, 
a senator's office, a congressman. Um, and then, you know, you hear the local news and you hear, um, you know, the leader of our country, the representative, the one where the buck stops there, you know, um, blaming, shifting responsibility, you know. Um, and, and the most alarming things is like, you know, well, it wasn't my fault or, you know, it was previous administration. To me, when you're a public official like that, the president of the United States, in my opinion, I feel you are responsible to make the right choices. doesn't mean you can make the right choices every single time, but you definitely can stop being impulsive. And I think that's really the key is now this isn't just a description or a criticism of Donald Trump, but this is also a criticism of administration that what feeds our times. Um, you know, there is an imbalance financially, you know, um, people aren't being paid what they're worth and, and inflation of rents and food has gone up. Um, our food source is tainted. There, that, that's, that can't be argued. Diabetes is, is high. That's something I suffer with. So when I talk about COVID-19, I'm actually not ta even to talking about the virus. I'm talking about the, the hysteria, the panic that we're all going through. And this podcast is testament to that. Normally, I like to talk about anything and everything, but I wanted to talk just to you about my perspective. And maybe you could sympathize with it. Maybe you can empathize with it. But the thing is, is respect of it. I see constantly, um, I've spent more time on social media just observing and listening to different speeches and reports and documents and all this other stuff. And then seeing people go out hiking and try, still trying to go beaches and um, or even partying, you know, and it's just like, wait, this is supposed to be a severe disease or infection. This is supposed to be like the killer, you know, it could kill my parents. You know, my parents are over 65. That's a reality. Could I handle being responsible for my parents' death because I didn't take precautions of not getting ill or sick? I think that's, I think that's really on everyone else's mind. But the, still, the things, it's it's like when I see the news and I see how bad New York is and I see the infection rate and the hospitals they're building, it's just like, it, it just, I can only imagine what those people are going through in those cramped environments. And yet you hear, like I said, people bitching and landlords bitching that people can't pay their rent. Well, here's the facts. If they can't pay rent, because they're not working, then how do you expect to squeeze blood out of a turnip? You can't. Um, there are other countries that are using examples, and they are smaller demographics. They are like taking other precautions to secure their financial and in economic holdings. You know, like I think it's El Salvador. The the I think the president of the country. Um, what I heard my girlfriend was telling me that uh, supposedly. They, no one needs to worry about rent. No one pays mortgages right now until we get this fixed. Why hasn't the infection rate gone up in these Latin American countries and other countries? I mean, if you want to look up the World Health Organization, the statistics of actual infection according to region, country, and continent, it should be much more severe than it already is. And there's martial law going on in some places of the world. Um, there's laws that are being passed that don't make much sense. And, and the governments are trying to seek out, well, let's find a vaccine. 
you know, but they're not thinking about the long-term effects. That's what really concerns me. The welfare of my children concern me. What future they have concerns me. What future I have concerns me. Whether I end up, you know, um, in a home that I've always dreamed of or a profession concerns me. The last thing that I want to think about is end up ending up homeless. And that's probably one of my greatest fears. But a fear, how strong is it? And what does it attract? How strongly are attracted are you to your fear? And that's what I'm here to talk about. Um, you know, fear is, is such a, it's a destroyer of minds and bodies and souls. You know, people are afraid of this and that. I mean, we've seen it for a long time. People are racist against each other and they don't, uh, they don't necessarily want to work together because they feel they're not recognized and they feel like by symbolizing with a culture, political group or whatever creed, so to speak, um, that they're safer, but the voice of the masses don't diminish the voices of the few. And that's the truth. We're not all meant to think the same and we're not all meant to act the same, but what we can do is listen more and better to each other. Um, I was reading in um, How to Win Friends and Influence People, a book that I I'd, I'd listened to, audio, and I just actually really started reading. And in the first chapter, he talks about um, like when T Theodore Roosevelt was battling uh, Warren Hardy, I believe, um, in the 1920 election, I believe. And I, I'm sorry if I'm not quoting the exact year, but um, it was it was something profound. And, you know, another, you know, political climate that was activated and people were unemployed and, you know, yeah, disease and things were affecting many people. And the mis misuse of the word and who represents and who's honest and who's worth more. That's what we're going through now. I mean, it doesn't help. I mean, seriously, do I really want the president to get another term? No, I don't. I don't feel like he's rational. I feel like he's impulsive. And I feel that he does not represent the United States in the best capacity and best ability. You know, yes, he does get some things done. But the I guess the things that aren't being done and aren't taken into consideration aren't being done enough. Like, if we were really a good country, as they say, make America great again, they would be focusing on teaching the children about financial responsibility, teaching about economics, teaching about uh, the person, um, not so much religion, but, you know, because we're a diverse country. And what COVID-19 did is bring people all scared together. That is a fact. I mean, a couple weeks ago, you couldn't even find toilet paper in a store and depletion of meats and resources was gone. And still that fear exists today. It still is here. And, you know, when you go into a store, it's like, do I have enough supplies to get me through a month? So, you know, I had a lot to, to really consider, and it's just like overwhelming information. But when I watched this, uh, the facts and, and fiction about the COVID-19, 
it's like the numbers don't match. Now, that doesn't mean to go be irresponsible and ignore the warnings. No, we're not saying that. And what it is doing is separating us more. I mean, the, the term social distancing is like the biggest term used out in the world right now. Um, people don't want to shake hands or hug or get close because they're affected. They're worried about being infected by a virus, whether friend, foe, or family, whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. They don't want you to get close. And they say, well, you can resort to uh, digital contact, you know, contact each other with Facebook and other medias and FaceTime and all this other shit. But it just shows how we're more disconnected. And then the people that feeding off the fear, they're taking it like, like as an opportunity to prey upon people. Um, and the things that really affect us, you know, if we were really so concerned and so worried about our environment, you know, the fact is they would have more tests on a mass scale available, but now it's only to the privileged, only to the rich and wealthy. In my mind, you cannot get a COVID-19 test so easy. Um, I was reading a story about a boy who, who just passed in San Jose, California, that he had gone to the emergency room. Parents took him, was showing symptoms, but the symptoms weren't severe enough. They didn't take him in. Then the next day he came back more severe. They took him in. They tested. He tested positive and he died. He passed away. Now that's a report according to the news. If it's true, I, you know, yeah, that's very scary. Now my own experience about being tested in COVID-19, I went to, uh, first I contacted my, my local physician. Um, and thank you, Dr. Rodney de Guzman for taking care of me. Um, you know, he's, he's a good, easygoing guy. And he just, he just told me, he's like, I can't even get you tested. I give you the number. But before I even got to him, I called that number and the county told me because I'm not their patient. They can't test me. Well, it was the only official testing place in our county that to the public. And because my symptoms weren't severe enough, um, I got denied. Mind you, I work in a, a position where I'm constantly in and out of hospitals and legal environments and courtrooms and dealing with people and, you know, international people. I, I deal with the widest range of people, you know, um, and environments. And, and I couldn't be tested even though I have a two-year-old and my mom is 65. You know, I live with my mom. It's not comfortable for me. I want, I've been wanting to move out and it's been something like of a struggle, but it made me realize that my struggle wasn't as hard before as it is now. You know, have my finances been affected? Yes, greatly. Um, I'm not making the amount of money and I'm going through a lot of people and today was probably the first day I really felt the fear. You know, I felt the fear and the anxiety of what it feels like of not being able to provide, not being able to go forward with my future. So what is the point of this podcast today? My point is, is to encourage people to ask questions, look into facts, not fiction, um, learn the difference between a fact and an opinion. You know, whenever someone says, I think, I feel, 
you know, obviously that's an opinion. Um, when we're listening to our leaders speak on television and they're th- saying, oh, things are so great, but they really aren't, that's opinion. That's not reporting. And a lot of times on the reports, on the news, it, they are reporting according to opinion. That is what I am saying. And, and that's what I've noticed about the media for a long period of time. It's not, I'm not saying to create revolution or anarchy, but I am saying to start holding uh, public officials accountable, news and agencies accountable, where we spend our dollar accountable. The things that we need to focus on teaching our children for the future is how to conserve, how to rely less on a disposable you know, community. That means not having to shop at a grocery store, being able to garden in our own backyard or, um, you know, taking, um, what do they call it? Um, vaccinations that aren't verifiable, you know, some are, but what are the safe and healthy levels? And that's what we're not doing today. We're not really taking the time to really investigate. We're not giving enough time. And the worst part about it all is, is if you go to the hospital, they can charge you an arm and a leg with, you don't even know if you can really pay it off. I looked at my medical bills and I owe probably about $25,000 in medical bills that I can't pay back right now. And I wasn't trying to pay back. I'm, I'm admitting this on the air. I wasn't trying to pay back. I was just trying to get by. So if we're always focusing on just getting by, then where are we really as a people? And that I'm a part of the statistics. 47 years old and, you know, I just got to my career and, you know, it took me a long time to get here. And what was the thought before COVID-19? I was trying to think about, give me a house, get me some kind of residence, you know, have a home for me and my girlfriend, um, so on and so forth. Um you know, and build some kind of retirement. But that focus is not here right now. Lately, my focus is on survival. Make sure that my my girlfriend and my child or my children, you know, we share a daughter. She's two, two and a half years old. Um, you know, and then I have another daughter. Actually, I have another two daughters. Uh, one's 24 and are going to be 24 and one's uh, 12 going on 13. So, you know, yeah, I may have, you know, other baby mamas, but this still doesn't escape the fact that I'm a father. It doesn't escape the fact that, um, I still love them and I want to provide for them. So I've been trying to achieve that provisional state and going without, you know, and, and then I realized about myself that I was, you know, when I got fed up, I would be an impulsive buyer. You know, I wouldn't be thinking about conserving. Just recently, in the last year and a two, did I ever actually start saving? I mean, this is the first time in my life where I actually have more than $100 in my checking account saved. You know, more than $500 saved. That's that's scary. And I just want to conserve more. I want to spend a lot less. And spending a lot less is um, things like not eating out all the time not uh, wasting money on fast food or luxuries, um, but looking at the quality of life, enjoying things, um, being able to go for walks and bike rides and not just being stuck on a phone or reporting and 
being impulsive, you know, posting, um, which I have done, you know, uh, even on this podcast, I've, I posted things where they were emotional, but the way that I think about COVID-19, I do not think about it as being the one disease to affect the world like the plague did in the past. I mean, I think for, oh, I think it was like for 300 years, the, what is it, the bubonic plague or the black plague killed millions of people. I don't think we're there yet. Um, I think uh, part of me does think that this virus was man-made and it didn't come from a bat and that it was purposely in pl- put in place to encourage certain outcomes. I mean, that's scary. And on a side note, I was reading in the paper, uh, or no, I was reading in an article that uh, countries like, say like Russia, um, their parliament elected a new bill where it was uh, President Putin could stay in power till 2036. You know, it's 2020, so 16 more years longer. That doesn't, that doesn't justify. And it's like, how close is the United States like that? I mean, how close do they want to revert the amendment where the president can only serve two terms and, you know, and I noticed like the rallies, you know, these are things that you can't forget. I mean, even on a non-election year, there was constant rallies, disturb people's, uh, you know, how they're uncomfortable, you know, blaming immigrants and, you know, border security. Yeah. Border security is important, but financial responsibility is even more, you know, people talk about being making America great, but I feel like America's gone down. I mean, why is it third countries are responding to this virus better than we are? You know, we have rules in place for a reason. So, um, you know, I, I want to encourage you all to start asking more questions and start reading more, start connecting in a, in a better way. And that means not just talking about each other's persons or relationship statuses or vanity or how uncomfortable you are because of the virus. You know, that's the virus I think is temporal, very temporal. And we're not working together any faster to get things done. So I feel like it's a responsibility to us all that we really should take things serious in other lights. If the virus is is as bad as they say it is, then I expect our public officials and those who are shot calling to dish out those tests. It's not impossible. We do here in the United States, they have the greatest American facilities and labs. They have more, more labs in this country than anywhere else in the world. Why is that? Because it's prescribing and uh, describing ailments that things, other things that we're suffering from. And when I was reading that or watching that Dr. Batar um, or Buter, whatever, what, what his name is called, he was talking about how more people are dying of cancer, but we're not talking about that. Where's cancer coming from? I believe it's from our food source, GMOs and hormone growth proteins and livestock. Our water's not clear. Our electronic responses, we have cell phone, almost every single American has a cell phone or access to an internet phone or digital media. Where does it stop? You know, 
where we're not getting out and connecting. I mean, this country's huge. It's very broad. When you get outside the big city, people are not all on top of each other. And that should be a warning. And now I'm really conscious about what I watch, you know. People are talking about the Tiger King and they're talking about, you know, doomsday preppers and uh, and and contagion and outbreak and all this other shit. But what does that tell you? It's feeding fear fuel to the public and how they react. And people acted not too long ago and presently very selfishly. Well, this is my perspective on the COVID-19 condition, the world of it. And I'd like to take time to thank you all for listening. This is Good Vibes with Jason B, a Broad Minds and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason B, and thank you. Have a nice day.